Aaron. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It seems that America and the world is going wholly woke. Wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y and H-O-L-Y. Wholly woke. Well, that's the headline of one article, Fans Livid After Discovering a Paragraph that Chick-fil-A Buried on Its Website. What was that about? Well, it was the renowned Christian-owned establishment, Chick-fil-A, that embedded in its website a commitment toward diversity equity, and inclusion on everything we do. That's the language. That language, friends, is clearly instructive of the capitulation of Chick-fil-A and its board to wokeness. But it's not just wokeness. It's something much deeper than that. And today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about the matter of capitulation. We're going to see how capitulation is dangerous and it is like Pac-Man consuming the moral character of America. Capitulation. Everybody's doing it. Reminds me of an article that came out uh, 20-some years ago in Newsmax. Not Newsmax, but uh, Newsweek. It was a cover story. Actually, I think it was uh, uh, 1992, actually. 31 years ago, on the front cover was a picture of a young man wearing sunglasses. On one lens, it said, lying, everybody's doing it. On the other lens, it said, honest. Lying, everybody's doing it, honest. In other words, the whole country was capitulating to deception, to intentional, knowing Lying deception. In fact, so great was the problem that two secular advertising uh, executives, Patterson and Kim, wrote a book called The Day America Told the Truth. It came out in 1990-91, and I have always kept a copy of that book next to me on the broadcast desk because it has so much to reveal about who we are. America's character. Well, one of the chapters, chapter four, is called American Liars. Patterson and Kim doing their massive study on what Americans really believe. Not what we want people to think we believe, but what we really do believe. And they concluded that lying had become an integral part of the American character. Well, That should help us to understand, then, how the capitulation to wokeness is so easily accomplished, even among so-called Christian organizations and people, including even pastors, including even their parishioners. (laughs) And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to be taking a look at what this capitulation means. 
We'll call it the tsunami of capitulation. It's the clamor for worldly acceptance. The clamor for worldly acceptance. Let me give you a further illustration. It's not just uh, uh, Chick-fil-A. It's everywhere. It's everywhere, friends. In fact, you may recall that uh, our Congress has been battling over whether or not uh, a debt ceiling will be uh, dealt with uh, timely before uh, further, more dire consequences could happen to the economy of the United States. And there has been a war going on. The Republican leadership under uh, Mr. McCarthy has uh, supposedly stood the ground and presented a plan to the President of the United States. And then all of a sudden, behind the scenes, it seems that the whole plan fell apart. Well, what happened? McCarthy and his cronies that went in to supposedly do the negotiation have capitulated on the majority of the major items for which they were actually elected to serve in the Congress. Capitulation. So in response to that, Representative Dan Bishop, Republican from North Carolina, yesterday became the first Republican to call publicly for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's ouster over the debt ceiling deal uh, that the California GOP representative reached over the weekend with President Joe Biden. The deal that was reached this weekend did not do enough to cut spending and left loopholes of some of the provisions of a House bill that had already been passed, according to caucus members and other Republicans. So Representative Bishop responded saying, I'm just fed up with the lies. I'm fed up with the lack of courage, the cowardice. And I intend to see that there is somebody who's prepared to say what needs to be done. Well, Bishop was one of 20 Republicans who would not back Kevin McCarthy for Speaker back in January. And as part of the 15-ballot election that took place to seat McCarthy, the opposition secured a commitment to allow a motion to vacate the chair to require just one member to make the motion instead of five. Well, Bishop is the first to call for McCarthy's removal. Why? Because just as they feared, McCarthy would compromise. In fact, he would not just reasonably compromise, he would capitulate. That's what they were concerned about. That's why they refused to vote for him. And now the very thing that they feared has come upon the Congress. The capitulation. But why? Why the capitulation when the Republican Party now has control in the Congress? They didn't have to do that. Why did they do it? That's the big question. Why do we capitulate? It's not just the Congress. It's everybody. It's everybody. We're going to find out how broad this capitulation is with many articles on the broadcast desk today that reveal this utter and total tsunami of capitulation. A total clamor for worldly acceptance, for broad acceptance, no matter what 
the consequences. If I can just feel accepted today, if I can just feel like somehow somebody likes me today, or I can broaden my likability among my congregation or in my college or university that I'm supposed to be heading up, or perhaps in my hospital, or wherever I happen to be, whatever it takes to get somebody to like me. The tsunami of capitulation. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. And I hope you'll stay tuned, friends, because we're going to find out what capitulation really looks like in our own minds and hearts. But in order to understand that, we have to see how broadly this is taking place, how rapidly it's taking place, and we have to wonder why. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Most of us probably have experienced a situation where we were in the process of building a snowman or a snowball, and uh, we were poised on a hill, and we gradually rolled that snowball down the hill. It started very small, very insignificant, and it would be very difficult just to patch that thing together in its current location, but if we gave it a little momentum especially down a hill, down a slope, just imagine what could happen. And so that's what we've done. We actually, in fun, pushed that little snowball down a hill, and it gained momentum, and as it gained momentum, it gained mass. In other words, more and more snow accumulated, and the more the snow accumulated, the heavier the mass became, and it increased its momentum down the slope, Until finally, there was just no way to slow it down. It was too big to control. That's exactly what has happened. I'm calling it a tsunami of capitulation here in our country, and it's happening everywhere. I've been watching this happen now in a variety of ways, uh, going back all the way back to the, uh, the late 1960s and early 1970s. Of course, we had the sexual revolution in the 1960s, and not only was it a sexual revolution, but it was also a rebellion against authority. It was everywhere. The whole hippie movement was a rebellion against authority. And the people that were part of the hippie movement today are the baby boomers of today. The hippie boom, hippie generation of yesterday are the baby boomers today and then their children who have inherited the spirit of rebellion. And so uh, we saw it happen there in the 1960s, and then by the 1970s it began to uh, make its way into the church. Uh, it came into the church on little cat feet, 
uh, very quietly, very uh, subterraneanly, so to speak, uh, in the name of God is love. Uh, the theology of God as the God of truth and the God of justice and judgment was cast aside in favor of a God only of love. Therefore, anything would go. God loves me so much that I can do what I will. And then came the grace awakening, so-called the grace awakening. So everything was grace, and there was no mercy required because we're not guilty of anything. Therefore, we didn't require uh, mercy. We just required grace, which was now reinterpreted to mean God overlooks all of my sin, and I don't really have to come clean with sin because as one famous theologian, the one who built the Crystal Cathedral once said, it's abuse, like child abuse, to tell a person they're a sinner. He said they don't need to be told they're sinners. They just need more self-esteem. That's what he said, Dr. Robert Schuler. They just need more self-esteem. Well, he was the, shall we say, the spiritual godfather of uh, two other major leaders in the broader evangelical community, Hybels and uh, Rick Warren. And uh, so his influence spread dramatically, not only in this country, but all over the world. As a result of that, the people didn't realize what was happening. They just didn't realize it. Then came the church growth movement, which helped to spread that in the mid to late 1970s. Then out of that came the seeker-sensitive movement, which reduced the authority of God and his word in favor of marketing the message of the gospel by diluting the message so that it could be more easily accepted and received around the country among so-called non-believers. So we were marketing the message. As we marketed the message, we reduced its impact. Like if you had a cup of coffee and you began to pour water into it because you wanted to spread its uh, the value of the particular cup of coffee and make it uh, go farther. Well, who wants to taste a cup of coffee that has no substance to it? But that's what was happening. And gradually, over a period of 40 years, the gospel and its substance was whittled away in order to make it more palatable and acceptable to the masses. So our churches then changed. Instead of the church gathered being for the purpose of uh, instructing and correcting the saints in righteousness uh, and encouraging the saints to live righteous lives. Instead, the purpose of the church gathered began to be more for the non-believer. So the message was reduced even the more so. And as this happened, the snowball of, shall we say, disinformation of the gospel increased in its mass, increased in its focus to the point where almost every pastor and parachurch leader in the country wanted to be a participant because now the only thing that mattered was church growth. 
Now, what happened in the church is exactly what's happening in the culture as a whole. It's the tsunami of capitulation, and we do not even realize what has happened. We see the consequences of it, and we look at this and say, how could such a thing be? But it is. And it's happened one capitulation at a time, one compromise at a time. And now we're going to see just what that looks like in a variety of different applications that have taken place just this week. Are you ready for this? All right, here we go. Johns Hopkins Medicine, you know, the famous hospital located in Maryland, recently handed out a comprehensive pronoun usage guide to its employees as they navigate a new inclusive identification policy. The guide includes an extensive list of pronouns, introducing unconventional options such as air self and fair self, uh, among others. In total, there were 50 different pronouns for healthcare workers to choose from, including, and it would be very difficult for me to pronounce these because they don't seem to connect with anything that we know. But here are a few of them. V, Z, Per and I. A E A. The guide not only provides examples of how to correctly utilize these pronouns, but also instructs employees on proper title uses, suggesting Mr. for men, Miss for women, and MIGS, MX, for non binary or gender diverse individuals. The information was announced on a podcast by Paula Nira the program director for LGBTQ plus equity and education at Johns Hopkins Medicine. A spokesperson from Johns Hopkins Medicine reaffirmed the institution's commitment to fostering a supportive, diverse, and inclusive community. It's called DEI. And we're going to find that DEI now has become the going gospel It is as if it is the salvation message for the country, DEI. And we're going to see how this works out. So, as we introduced the program today, we saw that Chick-fil-A now has hired a vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. There it is, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Now, it's not talking about equality. This is equity. So in order to have equity the way they defined it, you have to compromise even the more so. You have to, shall we say, be unfair to some in order to produce so-called equity with others. No longer does merit have merit. Therefore, everything must be reduced to a lowest common denominator Just like that cup of coffee gets diluted and diluted and diluted, just like the gospel gets diluted and diluted and diluted, so everything else in the country becomes diluted. The morality becomes diluted. The productivity becomes diluted. The values become diluted. Everything becomes diluted because the people themselves have become deluded, diluted. 
On Chick-fil-A's website detailing its DEI commitments, the company says it hopes to promote equal access to opportunities, value differences, and create an inclusive company culture. Well, they already had that. If you've ever been to a Chick-fil-A, you see that. They say Chick-fil-A restaurants have long been recognized as a place where people know they will be treated well. Well, we know that. That's why they've prospered so much. And if you recall, 10 years ago, when the entire Christian and conservative community across the country came to Chick-fil-A's rescue when they were being attacked, and they were trying to close down Chick-fil-A, and the entire Christian community and conservative uh, people in the country came to Chick-fil-A's rescue because they were willing to stand true to truth, to Christian truth. They were not going to capitulate. They were not going to uh, compromise on those things. But now they betrayed those who supported them. I can't put it any other way. That's what they've done. So conservatives who have long considered Chick-fil-A an ally due to its Christian commitment and opposition to certain aspects of the LGBTQ plus movement are now calling the company out this week. Saying, hey, what are you guys doing? They're saying, why do companies care more about their DEI, that is diversity, equity, and inclusion score, than their customers and their own brand's values? That was asked by Jenna Ellis, a one-time attorney to former President Donald Trump and a Christian woman who has appeared, by the way, uh, a number of years ago here on this program, Jenna Ellis. Why do companies care more about their DEI score than their customers? The answer I've already declared here on this program. They are lusting after worldly acceptance. They want to be liked by the wrong people. So Chick-fil-A wants to be liked by the banking world, wants to be liked by the uh, larger corporate world. They'd rather be liked by them than liked by God. I hate to put it so bluntly, but that's what's happening. Now, I don't know how deeply this goes with Chick-fil-A, But the fact that they used these trigger words, the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, on their website is a clear, what you call, virtue signal to the worldliness of our world that we want to be just like you. We want to be just like you. Isn't that what happened to Israel, friends? Back in the days of King Saul, God was their king. But they came to Samuel and they say, give us a king. We want a king like all the other countries that will go in before us and fight our battles and so on. Samuel said, no, you don't really want that. Oh, yes, we do. So God said, okay, they're not rebelling against you, Samuel. They're rebelling against me. Notice what God said. He said their motivation is not against Samuel, but their motivation was against God. Now, in what way was their motivation against God? 
They didn't want him to rule and reign over them because that would not make them, in their eyes, look good among the other nations. They wanted to look good from the viewpoint of the other nations. Therefore, they kicked God in the teeth, said, we don't really trust you. We don't really uh, value you as our leader because it just doesn't look good like we would like to look good among the nations. We're doing that in this country. That's what our corporations are doing. One at a time, completely kicking over all foundations of truth and righteousness and even the very heart and soul of conscience. It's all falling, capitulating because of the tsunami of capitulation. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. Saveus.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at saveus.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, saveus.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. There are at least seven ways that this capitulation, the tsunami of capitulation, is revealing about our hearts, our motivations as a people, as a country, and yes, even within the church. As I indicated earlier, from coast to coast, I have found myself uh, uniquely involved at so many, many different levels, uh, not only with the culture as a whole, but within the broader Christian community, not just going to church, so to speak, but really involved in the very heart of Christian institutions, whether it had to do with uh, large congregations. I was a volunteer pastor uh, as a lawyer. I was a volunteer pastor for eight years in one of the fastest-growing churches in, in California and uh, saw the trajectory of this kind of capitulation taking place one week at a time. It was painful to watch. Then in addition to that, I've been involved at virtually every level, almost every level, of Christian education, whether it had to do with preschool, whether it had to do with uh, elementary and junior high school, whether it had to do with Christian University. I've been on their boards. In fact, I've had leadership roles in almost every one of their boards. And I've watched this trajectory over time. 
When I was on those boards, I did everything I could to try to prevent and protect the institutions from uh, the capitulation that was taking place. The desire to be just like them, just like the rest of the world. To be accepted, to be welcomed in, to be... The desire was, while claiming God first, it was no, it was the culture first. It was making us feel part of the greater world experience. So the desire to be godly was replaced by a desire to be goodly in the face of the broader culture. Now, let's take a look at what this looks like as it's developing now, this tsunami of capitulation. And before we get there, I just want to uh, give you some measure of direction and hope in this regard. I'm trying to, when you lay out the trajectory of how these things happen, it contains within it the answers to what we must do. What we must do is rooted in what we must be. What we must do is rooted in what we must be. So I'm going to provide two books for you. One is my book, Renewing the Soul of America. Renewing the Soul of America, one person at a time, beginning with you. There's a reason why 38 national Christian leaders endorsed that book. Because they saw... As it was described in that book, they saw the trajectory of what was taking place. They knew it was grave. And they saw the answers contained in that book. Unlike any other book that had been written in our time concerning our country. Renewing the Soul of America. Now the subtitle was One Person at a Time, Beginning with You. That was the clue. That was the key. Because everybody else was pointing the finger at them, whoever them was. You know, the ubiquitous they out there. The ever-present they. Always somebody else. So as you read the book, you discover, looking at the hundreds and hundreds of quotations coming from our nation's history, that are so encouraging and uplifting, you begin to see that you yourself, as you read, have the answer. It's within you. It's like uh, the famous phrase, we have met the enemy and it is us. Well, how about we have met the answer and it is us? See, God continued to look to Israel to change to go back and look at him as their God, their supreme leader, their sovereign leader, but seldom would they ever respond. They didn't want to. They wanted to do it their own way. And so do we. But for those who are willing to see what the reality of doing it our way has become, then there's an answer. Kind of like that old song, there will be an answer, let it be. Okay, so I say, let the, let, there will be an answer, let it be. But the answer is in your life and mine. 
It's not in the Congress. It's not in the presidency of the United States. It's in your home. Pastor, it's in your congregation. That's where the real problem is, and that's where the real answers are. If, if, as Pat Robertson said, we have the courage to implement the things that are written in that book, Renewing the Soul of America. It's an $18 book, yours for $15. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. By the way, that barely covers our postage any our, anymore because the postage has gone up so much that we've tried to hold the line. Now, in addition to that, again, I want to make available to you the book Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception, How to Stay Pure in the Tsunami of Capitulation. It's everywhere. I really want to urge you to get a copy of it. Now, uh, it's uh, an $18 book, yours for $15, and... uh, it's on our website, saveus.org. Now, if you get that book and Renewing the Soul of America at the same time, you'll only pay one uh, postage and handling, and that would be $7 for the two books instead of $5 for each. So that's what we're proposing at the moment. Now, I want to move very quickly now to help you to see what's taking place in this tsunami of capitulation. PetSmart now has become the latest company to face criticism from consumers over its promotion of LGBTQ merchandise. Everett unveiled a collection of Pride-themed clothing for pets just ahead of June's June's Pride Month. The collection includes items such as dog bikinis, butterfly cat leashes, and reptile cape costumes in rainbow colors. Some online critics have urged a boycott of PetSmart similar to ones against Bud Light, Kohl's, and Target for using LGBTQ themes to promote their uh, products. In a release earlier this month, PetSmart's senior vice president and chief merchandising officer said the company is proud to elevate the voices and experiences of the LGBTQ community. What is this all about, friends? This is called virtue signaling. It's not biblical virtue it's the antithesis of biblical virtue in other words trying to please the new morality of the culture which is contrary dramatically contrary to biblical morality so The boycott threats against PetSmart come after Target lost more than $10 billion in market capitalization in just 10 days connected to consumer rage over its pride-themed merchandise. There were also continued to be ongoing backlash to Bud Light after it used trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney to promote the beer. They have lost 30% of their stock price. You would think that these people would get the message. But no, they don't, because they're trying to please and pander to a different audience. They have a different spirit now. 
The spirit is not one that is rooted in the foundation of biblical truth and morality, as has been the case for our country from its inception. Now they've completely cast all of that aside, and now they are pandering to a new kind of virtue, which is actually, for the biblical viewpoint, vice. They've changed vice into virtue, and virtue into vice. It's pretty amazing. Now, this is taking place in many, many different ways. Uh, Here is, here's one that perhaps uh, you may not have been aware of. People have talked a lot about the popular TV show, The Chosen. Now, they're defending having a pride flag on their set after facing criticism on social media. John Root, a Christian conservative commentator and Turning Point USA contributor, tweeted out screenshots on Monday of a behind-the-scenes YouTube video showing a pride flag on the set of the TV show, which portrayed the life of Jesus and his ministry and asked why the pride flag was there. The chosen Twitter account replied to Root uh, yesterday saying that Quote, we will work with anyone on our show, unquote. Well, that isn't the point. It's not whether we'll work with anybody. It's whether we're going to promote what they stand for. And that's what they did. By putting the pride flag on their set, they said, we agree. We agree, and we're going to virtue signal that the chosen and our our group is supportive of the LGBTQ plus movement, which is radically anti-Christian, anti-God. So here we have a super popular Christian TV show defending gay pride flag on their set. Talk about the tsunami of capitulation, friends. This is everywhere. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, today on Viewpoint, we're talking about the tsunami of capitulation, the clamor for worldly acceptance. 
We want to be just like them. We want a virtue signal, not virtue signal what the Bible has to say, because that's not acceptable. That doesn't make us virtuous in the eyes of the world. No, to be virtuous in the eyes of the world is to identify with what they call virtuous, which means we become co-conspirators with them, confederate with them, in their advancement of that which is despised in the mind and heart of the God of the Bible, the creator of the universe. Now, that having been said, you probably already know about Target and Kohl's, two major uh, children's clothing retailers that have both made sizable donations to Gelson, an LGBT activist group that promotes gender ideology and child gender transitions in schools. The organization encourages teachers to incorporate LGBTQ language in all subjects, including math, by using examples such as McGill and their dads love to draw with chalk in math problems. Coles currently facing calls for boycott over the store's pride merchandise for children, which includes multiple baby onesies and a baby bib with gay and transgender pride-themed slogans and graphics. Target has lost $9 billion in market value this month alone because of protests over the brand's pride merchandise. So this is, this is what's happening, but they don't care. The reason they don't care is because they're capitulating to a bigger agenda. The bigger agenda is the very thing that Jesus warned about that would take place at the end of the age just before his coming. He talked about it in the book of Luke. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it would be just before the coming of the Son of Man. But that's not all he said. He said, as it was in the days of Lot. Hmm, what was it like in the days of Lot? It was the promotion, cultural promotion, of perversion. That's what it was. The LGBTQ agenda. And it was brazen. It was bold. It was brazen, just like it is now. And when God looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham tried to plea with him, well, what if you find 50 righteous there? God said, okay, I'll save the city for 50. But there weren't 50 righteous. And so Abraham said, well, how about 40, Lord? So Abraham bargained down 40, 30, 20, and then finally 10. God said, okay, I'll save the city for 10. But there weren't even 10. Not even 10. Now, a lot of people have a false theology that says, well, if God confide 10 righteous people in America, he'd save America. That's a false theology, friends. There's nothing in the Bible that says that. God couldn't even find 10 people in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he took Lot and his wife and his two daughters out. And even their husbands or those who were uh, espoused to them mocked and would not leave Sodom. That's how serious this problem is today, friends. And it's happening in our Christian universities. It's happening in our colleges. It's happening in our churches. The capitulation to try to please the worldly masses. And it doesn't work. All it does is diminish the truth 
dilute the truth in the effort to try to save people by creating a womb of unrighteousness in which they can slop around and claim to be Christians. It's just unbelievable. As a result of all of this, we now find that Tara Reed, I want you to see how far this is going. Tara Reed is facing persecution in her own country over her claim that she was raped by U.S. President Joe Biden 30 years ago. She was an ex-congressional aide to U.S. President Joe Biden, accused him of sexual assault, and the problem has become so great and so dangerous for her in this moral, immoral climate in America to shut down all moral truth and righteousness and exalt unrighteousness that she has now made application for citizenship in Russia. I want you to think about that. Could this have something to do with Vladimir Putin declaring that America has become the heartthrob of all debauchery in the world? And that Russia has now or is becoming the, shall we say, the moral center of the world? Now that, that seems laughable to us. But there's a whole lot more truth to what he's saying that we want to admit. We're living in a total cesspool of capitulation. And it's come to such ends that even one who otherwise would have been supported within this country for making a claim. Remember, Hillary Clinton said, you got to believe what the woman says, except when she says it concerning a Democrat president. Then all of a sudden, it becomes so dangerous for her to live in this country that she has to flee to Russia. Tara Reid. Then again, the AG, Attorney General Ken Paxton, probably one of the best attorney generals in America, has just been secretly impeached by his own people, his own party. And why is that? Because he has had the temerity to stand against evil in his state and in this country. So, the Texas House Speaker, who was elected by pandering to Democrats, kept all of this secretly under wrap. It was like a coup against Ken Paxton. He's been the leader in litigating against open borders and other unlawful policies of the Biden administration. And two months ago, he opened an official investigation of Pfizer over its COVID-19 vaccine. For the last nine years, he's been the strongest conservative AG in the country, bar none, said Ted Cruz. Yet, behind the scenes, they voted to get rid of him. Why? Because most of the 60 Texas Republicans 
who voted for Paxton's removal fear retaliation by dark money globalists. In other words, they've received money from big, ultra-wealthy globalists, and now they owe their souls to them. Do you see how the love of money increases the capitulation, the tsunami of capitulation? So I want to share with you just a few, seven items that I feel uh, that this uh, tsunami of capitulation is revealing. First of all, it's not happening because of a legitimate cause. Secondly, actually, the first item, it defiles the conscience. In order to capitulate, as these various news articles are revealing, it reveals a defiled conscience, both individually and corporately. It reveals the destruction of character. Character no longer counts. It destroys courage because people then cannot stand. They're not willing to stand. They capitulate. It promotes moral compromise because the more you capitulate, the more you compromise. It defies Christ and deifies man. All of these capitulations defy Christ and his call and in the same process deify man and his desires. The clamor for worldly acceptance. And then it also is driven by cowardice. The Bible tells us that in this evil and wicked day, we must be put on the armor of Christ, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. All of this, friends, this capitulation reveals that we don't value truth anymore. Not really. What we value is what makes us feel accepted by the culture. And that's true even in our churches and our Christian institutions. What makes us liked? Hmm. Now, if we can't stand amid this kind of capitulation, then how in the world are we going to be able to stand when the infamous mark is presented. The whole world will capitulate, including most Christians. That's why Jesus warned about it. Right there in Revelation chapter 13 and 14. It will reveal the absolute unmitigated commitment and allegiance of everyone who takes that mark to the enemy of Christ, referred to commonly as the Antichrist and the beast system. Can you understand why we talk about some of these things the way we do here on this program? It's not about scare tactics. It's about helping us to understand. 
in in reality, what we're doing here on this program, I feel as an attorney, as a trial attorney, who spent 20 years in the courts of men, that I'm pleading the ultimate cause of a lifetime to a jury of my peers, starting with the church in America, and then more broadly, with my fellow citizens in this country and across the world. Ultimately, we're looking at something that is so devious, so dangerous, so all-consuming, and once it is allowed to take place in your life, and it starts out with little things like the little snowball, and once we allow ourselves to get into the process and rationalize it, There is no end in sight. It will not cease until it overwhelms you and all that you love. The tsunami of capitulation, clamor for worldly acceptance. And now, the next article, the feds now want to regulate our freedom of association. Have you noticed, friends, all across America, in our cities, the massive apartment complexes that are being developed? It's unbelievable. Massive apartment complexes. They don't even seem to have any kind of architectural significance. It's just massing people together in vast groups. Why do you think that is? Ultimately, you want to be like them, then they're going to regulate your freedom of association. Gather us all together in their godless ghettos for the maximum control as we approach the end of the age. It's unbelievable, but it's true. Get a copy of our book. Seduction of the Saints, also Renewing the Soul of America, right there on our website, saveus.org. These books will encourage and strengthen and help you for such a time as this, friends. You and I are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. Will we succumb to the way of the world, or will we stand fast in the ways of the Lord? You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.